So Aaron, I have a statistic for you that I think is going to blow your mind. What is your statistic that's going to blow my mind? (laughs) So do you know that 40% of the food that we produce every year here in this country actually gets wasted And yet one in seven Americans remains food insecure. So if you just think about that for a minute, we're actually producing enough food to be able to feed everybody who needs to be fed. But there's some sort of disconnect where food is getting thrown out and people are still going hungry. I think what's sad is I'm not surprised, but also how can we fix that? It's just like, how do we prevent ourselves from being so awful? I will say knowing this statistic makes me extremely anal when it comes to my own food waste in my apartment. I will literally scrape the mold off of an apple and eat it because I am so... (laughs) But I support you. I, but I'm so particular about it because I know how much gets wasted. And truthfully, it's not about what something looks like because it can still be quite good for you, even if it's bruised or looks damaged. And you can cut off the bruised parts if you don't want to actually eat that. But we end up throwing away so much because we just assume based on how it looks that it's not going to be healthy or good for us. I'm all for the little ugly fruits and vegetables. I want the underdogs to win and be used. I'm Melody Serafino. And I'm Erin Always. And we're the co-founders of Number 29, a media relations agency that focuses on sustainability, design, and advancing social change. This is the Enough Podcast. This week, we know we have more than enough food to go around. And we've had enough food waste. I think when it comes to environmental issues, they're so often politicized, which is absurd that the health of our planet is something that we're politicizing. Food waste is one of those anomaly issues that everybody wins and has managed to cross the aisle in a really special way. Because if you think about it, if you're a company, a restaurant, a retailer, and you're figuring out how to mitigate food waste, that's dollars that you're saving. If you're an individual who's realizing how to better use the groceries that are in your home, that could be a thousand plus dollars in savings that you're saving your family every single year. And then if you're an environmentalist who cares about the health of the planet or just a human who cares about the state of the world, you're helping to mitigate climate change because food is such a drain on our natural resources, not just the food itself, but food waste causes 8% of global greenhouse gas emissions, consumes 20% of freshwater cropland fertilizer and landfill volume in the U.S. So it's a really big issue. And it's one of the reasons why the U.N., the U.S. Department of Agriculture and the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency have made it a priority and set this goal of reducing food waste by 50% by the year 2030. Melody, I love your passion for food waste. I have to be honest. It's like really special to see your excitement over banana peels and uh, (laughs) discarded eggs. And also methane generally, that so much methane is produced from food waste is remarkable. It's both, I'm sorry to be crass, but like farting cows and then food uh, decomposing. So it is true, though. I also wonder right now with people at home cooking more, you really see the level of waste you create with your food. It's interesting, this whole out of sight, out of mind, what restaurants are doing with things, it's now on us. So it does feel like this is something that we can address at a individual level. This issue has been particularly top of mind for me as I'm doing more cooking than I ever wanted to do during quarantine. And Aaron knows that I don't love cooking. It does not bring me any joy, but I cook to survive. So I've been thinking a lot about 
how we can think about what we're doing in our own home right now and sort of the eye-opening experience of managing our own waste during this time. And also just thinking about where in the supply chain the most amount of waste is happening which is why this week I was super excited to speak to Camilla Ruth Marcus, who is the founder of Westbourne, a really wonderful community restaurant in Soho that unfortunately is no longer because of COVID. But she has been so thoughtful in every bit of planning for that restaurant, from the food that's put on the table to the utensils that are used and making sure that it is a zero waste restaurant from start to finish. I mean, it does break my heart what is going on in the restaurant industry. There are such creative spaces. Obviously, you and I hate to cook. We should not be cooking. We are not good at it. So I I can't wait to go back into these spaces. But I do hope there's an opportunity to really embrace the model she's created. So I'm excited for people to hear from her. I think we have so much to learn from her, whether we're restaurant owners thinking about what the future of the restaurant industry looks like on the other side of COVID or amateur cooks in our own kitchens. I would say a couple of years ago, maybe four years ago now, the inspiration and the idea really came out of seeing how our generation thinks about, you know, philanthropy and impact in such a different way. We want to live our values daily through what we purchase, how we go about our daily lives, what kind of brands we support. And when you really think about it, we make more purchase decisions about food and beverage than almost anything else in our lives. And to me, no one in hospitality had really owned that space. So the idea was and continues to be 1% of every purchase goes through the Robin Hood Foundation to a local grantee called The Door, which is a couple blocks away from our former location on Sullivan Street in Soho. Um, We invested in hospitality training for youth in the neighborhood, and then we hired from the program. And from the start, too, as part of that mission, our food was always, we called accidentally vegetarian, decidedly wholesome, with the goal of being the first zero waste restaurant certified by True in Manhattan, which we achieved earlier this year. So being zero waste and thinking about, you know, the food system obviously being such a big part of climate change was always at our core DNA. Can you talk about what does zero waste mean when it comes to a restaurant? Because I think that that's something that people are starting to hear more about, but I'm not sure people necessarily understand what that means in practice and execution. So for a restaurant, what it means, the way we did it is, you have to divert over 90% of what you throw away, away from landfill. So that means compost and recycling. For example, we always had cutlery, upcycled denim napkins, and ceramics. So again, not having things that are casual be so disposable. I mean, there are finer dining restaurants in New York that use paper napkins, which to me is just problematic. We had water on tap rather than selling bottled water, which again is a revenue source for restaurants, but obviously horrible for the environment, especially those little ones, which I think should be illegal and banned in production. I totally agree. Food-wise, I mean, so you take our Over the Rainbow. That was one of our biggest dishes and, you know, was hearty, featured what was in season. Shopping seasonally, shopping locally is very important for food sustainability. And then a lot of what would be potentially left over or what another restaurant would throw out, we would put and incorporate into our lentil falafel. And then our jalapeno tahini had, you know, whole stem cilantro in it. Or if we had something left over from a catering event, we would incorporate that into that day's over the rainbow because we'd have this great, beautiful vegetable that we wanted to feature. So it was just a great way to have a really vibrant, nourishing dish, but also a vessel to 
incorporate what, again, I think a lot of restaurants would throw out. And it was nice to see that guests, it was okay that it was different that day than Monday because they understood that it was something special and that we didn't want to dispose of. Yeah, I love that element of spontaneity and how it actually makes the work you're doing to be zero waste more visible to the community of people who come into the restaurant. You know, we're a people business, right? And so we touch both internally with our teams, but also our guests and our outer community. You know, we have the ability to influence so much of how people cook at home, how they approach sustainability in their own homes. You know, it was amazing how many people asked us, you know, how can I cook using zero waste philosophies? I think once you start down the rabbit hole, there's so much that can be done in restaurants. And I think it really just takes a little bit of intentionality, actual systems and training that really makes it sort of a self-sustaining system. I love that you are basically serving as a model for individuals to be able to take some of this into their own homes because food waste is one of the few, I think, environmental issues that we actually can tangibly act on and feel like we're making a meaningful difference. I mean, when you talk about climate change, you kind of wonder as an individual, as a person, what can I possibly do in my home? I recycle, I try to be a good steward of the environment, but am I actually making meaningful change? And food waste is one of those things where you you actually can do that. But it's more than food waste. I mean, the truth is, if we all ate more plant-based at least the majority of the week, we would see a huge dent in climate change. I mean, how we raise our livestock, how we produce our food in this country is a massive impact on that, which again is why we chose to be vegetarian. I'm not a vegetarian, I'm quite an omnivore, but our goal was always, hey, what if just because the food was so delicious and the environment was you know, welcoming and exciting, what if we could convince someone to make it part of their daily routine to eat plant-based at least a couple days a week where they otherwise wouldn't? To see that, wow, you can have a 100-person seated elegant dinner and you don't have to have steak on the plate. You know, you as one person might be the person that decides a thousand-person event and how that runs. Is sustainability part of that goal? Is food waste considered? Are, you know, the effects on climate change thought about? All of those things are really critically important. And I think we try to play and continue to try and play at least some influential role in helping people take a minute and really consider their impact of that individual choice. It does have huge ramifications. And I think together creates a real groundswell. As a longtime pescatarian, I have always been advocating for less meat on the menu. And, and I do think it's important for people to, to see how that can be done in their lives. And I love this holistic approach to sustainability because I think you're right. It's not just about the food you're putting on a plate. It's how it's sourced. It's what happens before it gets there. And I know international organizations like the UN are really starting to think in this way. Do you Do you feel like you have that institutional support to develop your sustainable practices. So think back two years ago, all anyone wanted to talk about was straws, the straw ban. It's like, well, straws are not really the biggest issue when you have a city that still doesn't compost citywide. I mean, let's go there. We're obsessed with straws in restaurants when it's really about something way bigger. I mean, let's talk about the plastics tax incentives, which is why plastics are way cheaper than anything compostable. I mean, if we really want to tackle these issues, we need to get smarter as a citizenry and we need to push harder on our government to actually make solutions where they matter. And that's what you're seeing in COVID. 
I think that's such a critical point because what happens is you see these things that become a talking point and it's really easy for people to digest. It becomes a headline that then gets copied and pasted to another headline and it becomes this one actionable thing that just seems like it's a really easy solve. And yes, there were a lot of conversations around food waste, but it became these very specific things like dairy farmers dumping milk out on their farms because they no longer had you know, the wholesale places that they were selling it to. Let's talk about that. This all goes back, unfortunately, to government policy and government coordination, because the truth is the cost to transport it to alternative uses where the dairy could be used was too expensive for a farmer. And they can't choose shipping it to save the environment versus going out of business. That isn't a choice that they should have made. But when you know that everything is grinding to a halt, there has to be someone who is in charge of the food system who says, all right, we as the government are going to logistically figure this out. We don't want that to be thrown out. But again, the headline is, look how horrible they are. They're dumping milk into the river. Well, there's a bigger issue at play, again, is coordination. But we don't, I would go back again to single-use plastic. We need to be wondering why we still, post-industrial revolution, why is there not a sustainability tax incentive versus lowest cost provider tax incentive? Plastics are cheaper, which is why restaurants use them. But there actually are single-wrapped, completely compostable cutlery options. They exist, but they're not incentivized. They're way more expensive and they're harder to get. We really need to move the system towards making it more financially viable and the system that we want to incentivize. I keep saying 2020 is the great reckoning. This is a chance for us as America to decide what we value. It is for us as the public to decide what we care about and what we want our government to care about. And if sustainability is something that is indeed important, we need to be looking at the source. We need to be looking at the incentives in the system. Composting should be across the country in all municipalities. It should be very easy to compost and recycle. And it should be cost effective, which it's not. I think it's really important to hear what you've seen not work in the restaurant industry and how it's made you think about what could change the system as a whole, especially at this transition point for you. I mean, you wrote an op-ed for CNN.com about what it means to close Westbourne that ran earlier this fall. And I'm so curious where you're taking this knowledge now. What's the next step for you in your sustainability journey? Look, you know, I'm born and raised in Los Angeles and so much of growing up in California, you know, that's how we were raised to care about the environment, to care about climate change, to think about sustainability in our homes and how we live. That was really second nature. And until I came to the East Coast, I didn't realize how unusual that was, you know, across our country. It's not second nature. So no matter what I do, no matter what Westbourne does, being zero waste and thinking about sustainability at our core will always be central to our mission. That's just who I am and how I think. And I think, you know, we had a long way to go before COVID and and this is a huge setback. But as I said in my article, the comeback is always better than the setback. And, you know, we're dreaming the next dream of how we can grow our impact in a different way. You know, I think our, our mission, what we existed for and how we think about influencing our industry and our community for the better isn't going anywhere. And it it certainly wasn't tied to a thousand square feet in Soho. So, um, you know, we're thinking bigger on the next steps of how we can continue to be, you know, an industry leader and advocate, helping people come along with that journey. And as you said, feel empowered that they can make a difference because they certainly can. I think that's the perfect place to end this. Thank you so much for your time today, Camilla. You have so much knowledge in the food space and I'm 
feeling so inspired by the advocacy work that you're doing. So really, really thank you for being here. Well, it's such a pleasure, such a big fan of number 29 and all of the the work that you guys do to really think about impact and to support brands that care. It doesn't go unnoticed and you're my favorite newsletter to read. So thank you. <laughs> She's just always someone who's stood out to me, and it's so fascinating to hear from her in this moment on the other side of, you know, she's just shut her restaurant, um, and still she has really set the groundwork for what restaurants can be and should be. And in terms of just like how we think about enough and this idea of what is enough, she just walks the walk. I mean, she thinks not only about sustainability in its own silo, but also about the sustainability of her employees, making sure that people are paid fairly, understanding that, especially for the women on her team, that when they can't come to work, it's often because they don't have childcare. All of this is interconnected. And I think that we just, you know, it's so important to focus on the business leaders, the individuals who recognize that all of these pieces, they're linked. And she's really figuring out how to tackle it all. And I hope is a model for what the other side of this looks like. And I think the most heartbreaking thing is that these independent places are the ones that are the most at threat during covid because they are independent and they're the ones that really can lead on the mission-driven work and sustainability and really creating community spaces for people, but they're also the most likely ones that will shut down. I think this is a moment to reflect on where we're directing our money. There are still restaurants we can support and make sure that we're ordering from them. And also on the other side of this, be it fashion, be it the food world, Give money to the brands that you want to see continue to exist and thrive who are doing the right work. Yeah. And, you know, just as I think about my own self in the kitchen and how I can be more creative, and certainly Camilla has inspired me to really think about how I can use every bit of produce and herbs and everything to make really creative, beautiful dishes. And I really want to stress that food waste is more than just not throwing out food. There are so many little tricks that we can all do in our own homes that help to mitigate it. I would really love to recommend Save the Food, which is a great website for meal planning. It's got tips for cutting back on food waste, recipes for turning food that's typically tossed out into new dishes, storage tips and tricks so you can extend the shelf life of food in your own refrigerator, and even has this calculator that helps you estimate how much food you'll need based on the number of people around your table, even if that's only one or two people right now. Uh No, that's so helpful. Uh, It's a little more helpful than just like eating the mold off the apple melody. No offense. (laughs) I never claim to be the expert. But anyway, I also have to plug Sophia Rose show, which she's another chef and activist who is an incredible resource for information about everything related to food waste, food security. And she just launched a show on Vice called Counterspace deliberately on Thanksgiving. And it's both informative and fun. There are recipes, but just ways to make the world less shitty. And I would also check out Refed, which is the only national nonprofit that's focused exclusively on ending food loss and waste across the food system. And they have a really cool dynamic insights report coming out in 2021 that will actually detail 40 different food waste reduction solutions and best practices for everyone across the food chain. Also, I feel like gift guides this year, like give a compost to someone that you love. 
like help them figure out their food waste. Or a subscription to Ugly Produce. Yes, this is what I'm getting my family. Composting bins and Ugly Produce. They're going to love me. (laughs) Thanks for listening to Enough. As always, you can find links to these websites, Camilla's work, number 29, and of course, the Enough newsletter in our show notes. Enough is a podcast from number 29 and Pineapple Street Studios. It's produced by Natalie Brennan and Sophie Bridges. Pineapple's executive producers are Max Linsky and Jenna Weiss-Berman. Original composition by Hannes Brown. See you next week.